series today, one that I'm, I'm excited about, one that um, sort of wrap up, wraps up, I believe, what God has called me to do. It's, it's the firebrand that he's put in my spirit. And that is, that is to raise leaders, to encourage people to step out of their boxes and their comfort zones and be what God meant them to be. And to not buy the deception that you're just an average person going to church. You know, I believe in God. What else do you want me to know? There's a whole lot more. And God expects a whole lot more. To whom much is given, Jesus Christ, his only son, to you, the Bible says, much is required. So I'm glad that we've been given much. But with that comes the responsibility of stepping up. I like what uh, Linda said at, uh, at Emmaus. She said, I'm going to up my game. I like that. We need to live on a higher level. We need to accelerate our lives and our testimony and our Christianity. Because God has meant you for great things. God didn't create you to be average, folks. He didn't create me to be average and just sort of trudge through. That's what unbelievers do. But children of God make a difference. We do things. We are, a, we are motivators. I don't want to say agitators, but we, we stir the pot. We, we, we bring confrontations about, not, not ugly ones, but we confront people with the gospel. We confront people with their destiny. And that's who you are. And the title of this series is God's Choice. Everyone repeat this when they say, I am... God's choice. And God does talk to me. (laughs) You say that outside of church, people think you're a nutcase. But it's true. I want you to see yourself as God's choice for this hour. I am thankful for what our forefathers did. I'm thankful for those that went before us. God blessed them. And I'm thankful for those that are going to go beyond us. Those are going to, when we're dead and gone, they're going to be in our place. But my word, this is our time. This is our place. And this is when we're supposed to be flourishing. This is when we're supposed to be making a difference. You are God's choice. And I, in these next several weeks, am going to push and prod and pull. You're going to feel like you just come out of a washing machine. I'm going to wring you out I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to motivate and to encourage you to take your place. Because as I've said before, as I heard this statement a long time ago, if not us who, and if not now, then when? It's our turn. We are the Elijahs. We are the Elishas. We are the Moseses. We are the Joshuas. We are the Jacobs in the world today. So the title is God's Choice which is a description of the qualified. And I want to describe to you who God has chosen and what they're like when he chooses them. These are the types of people that God trusts with his work. And they're not just people we put regal robes on that go through all kind of training and and, and, and universities and everything. You're going to be shocked when you find out who God usually chooses, anoints and ordains. It's amazing. So I want to begin by asking you several questions here. And I'm going to be asking these questions every Sunday during during this series. Question number one, what drives you? 
I want you to think about what your passion is. What motivates you? What are you living for? Why are you alive? What is driving your life? Next question. Do you realize that the enemy is working to corrupt your peace? Do you understand that this world is not for you? This world is against you. Do you realize that you're in a hostile environment? Are you comfortable in an evil world? You ought not be. The next question. Do you feel an urgency to do good? Do you understand that time is running out? That every day, every hour, every minute that ticks by, you're losing opportunities. Several weeks ago, I showed you that clip from Schindler's List. After everybody was released and he couldn't save anybody else, the war was over. And all the people in the factory that he had saved from the gas chambers at Auschwitz and the other places of death in the Nazi regime. The people were thanking him for saving generations and generations of Jews. And what was he doing? He was thinking of what else he could have done and how, if I didn't need this ring, I didn't need this car, it would have saved so many people. Do you feel that urgency to do good, that you have a certain amount of time, especially if you're a mom or a dad? Hey, if you're a mom or a dad and God has entrusted life to you, and not only life, but he has entrusted destinies in your care. Children, that what they're going to hear from God is going to come from you more than this preacher. Do you feel the urgency there to make a difference in that young life? Next question, and I've asked this a lot of times. How large is your world? Do you choose to live in a dinky, small little world? Are you satisfied and comfortable with your little corner? I want to encourage you to live in a large world. Linda, God bless you for going to Emmaus. She, her world, as I often say, got a little bigger. I think you ought to take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way to live in a large world. Taste new things. Experience new things. Do not buy the deception that says, I'm just in this little world. I'm not getting... Live in a big world. We serve a big God that created incredible things. Live in a large world. And finally, are you a difference maker? These are questions that we're going to be addressing. These sermons, hopefully these messages, will encourage you to address each one of these questions in a right way. Are you a difference maker? Do you matter in the kingdom of God? This is why we're beginning this, these kingdom building moments. I want you to be raising your hand. Oh, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. I, I, I've got something, something happened to me this week I want to share. I want you to be a kingdom builder. I want you to be a difference maker. I want when you die, people say, wow, what an incredible loss. No, man, what are we going to do without her? What are we going to do without him? Well, that's going to be answered because the people's lives that you touched, you've multiplied yourself over and over and over again because you made a difference in your time. Judges chapter 6, we're going the other side of this story that Rhonda read the kids. We're going to be talking about Gideon's, Gideon in, in Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Let's begin here. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites. 
Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Think about that. You think you have an oppressive government? (laughs) Think again. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the land of Israel. They camped out on the land and ruined the crops all the way from Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. Barney, Leroy, you farmers out there, can you imagine? We've got this wonderful rain. I mean, Barney told me the other day, he said, boy, after that big rain, he said, I think my corn jumped up over a foot. He's in there pruning and preening all over that and praying for rain. And then once it gets to harvest time, boom, here comes the enemy. And they camp out in his cornfield and they wipe it clean. They take your hay away. And when, you, when they're done, there's nothing but trampled earth and ground. Not a living thing is left for you. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. Are you seeing this? They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Wow. Israel asked for trouble, and they got it by doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Friend, our country, we're right there. If you look at some of our recent policies and the changes morally that we've made, it's scary. We have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, but what I like about Israel and what I pray for our country is they did evil and they cried out to God. We serve a merciful, loving, patient God. Can you relate to doing evil in God's eyes and then crying for help? How many can relate to that? Yeah, absolutely. It's who we are. It's what we do. That sums up the pathetic pattern of mankind. It's what people do, unfortunately. That's why I'm glad that God is God, and you better be glad that I'm not, because he is so incredibly merciful. Why in the world does God put up with us? It baffles me. I'm going to tell you why he puts up with us. He loves us. He loves us so much that he is so tolerant and patient of our stupidity, that when we cry out to him, he rushes to our aid, which takes us to Judges chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. Remember? And I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors, remember? I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Now, here God is. What does he do when he comes up after we cry out? God will always do this, friend. God reminds us who he is. Okay, I hear you. Now let me remind you, because obviously you have forgotten. 
obviously you did not knowingly rebel against me, knowing who I am, the power that I have, that I am the self-existent one, that I am the source of all life that is. Let me reintroduce myself. It is important, friend, that you understand and appreciate just exactly who God is and what he is and his plans for you. There's an old song that says, remind me, dear Lord. Has anybody ever heard this song? Some of you, well, nobody. Carol, I know you've heard, remind me, dear Lord. Okay, it goes like this. It says, roll back the curtain of memories now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. And that is our problem. We have forgotten who God is. We need to remember exactly who God is. You don't need to remember who you are. Remember who God is. Remember His source, His power, His love for you. David said in Psalms 119 and 11, He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against, it, against thee, or that I might not forget who you are, God. So this takes us to Judges chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, Gideon's call. God is going to send someone to deliver Israel. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, I want you to see the Midianites are there. He's hiding because he's got some wheat. And if they find it, they're going to take it. So he's in a wine press threshing wheat because he's afraid. When the angel Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What a statement. Because Gideon obviously was not, at that moment, a mighty warrior. Gideon was not in a huge family that was real popular in Israel. Who in the world is Joash the Abizarite? I mean, I don't see him anywhere in Scripture else but this particular moment. He didn't have one of those names in town that was real popular. You know, he didn't get all the top positions. Joash the Abizarite had this boy named Gideon, and God comes to this guy who at the moment is a coward hiding from Midianites trying to thresh some wheat at a wine press. And the angel says, Thou mighty man of valor. Mighty warrior. I'm going to tell you something right now, church. I don't care where you are, what you're doing, what you're not doing. It doesn't matter where your life is. God sees a mighty warrior in you. Gideon did not have a pedigree. Gideon was not, you know, physically gifted in one of these. God called him while he was hiding from the enemy. And no matter where you are, God is calling you to be a difference maker. God is seeking people out that he has called and put his name upon. And you and I have more going for us than Gideon did at his call. Gideon did not have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Gideon didn't have tons of Bibles that he chooses to want. ASB, NIV, King James, what I want to read. What kind of Bible study groups are there? We gave the seniors at, at, the, at the baccalaureate service more material than Gideon had to build his life upon. You are packed with resources. You are loaded with weapons. How much more should you make a difference than Gideon made a difference? 
I want you to notice how the angel ignores this protest. In, in, in Judges chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, Pardon me, my Lord, getting replied. But if the Lord is with us, ouch, why has all this happened to us? Be careful, Gideon. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, notice what happens here. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Do you notice how that the angel of the Lord mercifully did not entertain the stupid thoughts and the comments coming from Gideon? The Lord could have said, didn't you just hear me? I just introduced myself to you. You have done evil in my eyes and cried out, and now you're blaming me? I didn't throw you in this ditch. You put yourself there. No, the angel didn't do that. The angel says, go in the strength that you now have. Wait a minute. Didn't he hook him up with a Bible study? Didn't he, didn't he send him to a couple of seminars for some continuing education? Didn't he say, hey, you need to go through this, and then we'll see if you're qualified? Go in the strength you now have. Why is that going to matter? Because God is going to be with Gideon. Congregation, I'm telling you right now, go in the strength that you now have. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? If God is walking by your side, God can do incredible things with you exactly where you are right now. And when you begin to do these things, you're going to see your life begins to grow and grow and grow and grow. At Fields of Faith, I watch these kids get up there. Matthew had to, to uh, encourage some of the kids to take the microphone. I just, I'll tell you that. I'll be honest with you. But when they got up there, I couldn't tell who he encouraged to go there and who he didn't encourage. They all went in the strength that they now had, and they spoke encouraging things to all of us that were in the stands. And after every kid finished, I thought, wow, that was good. Wow, that was good. Wow, that was good. Because when God goes with you, it's enough. If you're waiting to be qualified, you'll never do anything for God. I'm glad that the angel ignores some of my ridiculous protests, too. Anybody agree with that? Aren't you glad? Go in the strength that you now have. I've got a job for you to do. When God calls you, when he speaks and moves on you, as Rhonda, how many times have I been where Rhonda was speaking about? Hey, I'm going to pray for you. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And the Holy Spirit says, do it now. Do it now. You, well, Lord, there's, there's other people standing around and do it now. And then I simply say, can we step over here right quick? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's hot where we're standing. Yeah, yeah, it's hot. I get them over and said, let me take your hand. Clasp of the hand. I want to pray for you right now. You don't even have to close your eyes. Are you ready? And they always say, uh, yes. <laughs> and then I pray for them. Go in the strength you now have. That opportunity is a kingdom-building moment. Will you pass on that opportunity, or will you seize that opportunity? I'm going to tell you right now, a difference maker seizes that opportunity. He doesn't put it off and wait till there's not as much people around or, or whatever. They seize those moments. Those key 
kingdom-building moments. That's what God is asking you to do. Despite your protest, despite your ignorance, you better be glad God is merciful. Let's go to the next scripture, Jesse. I think it's Judge 6, 15 and 16. Yeah. Pardon me, my Lord. Oh, did I say Gideon's not, not through? Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Not Judah. He wasn't from one of those hmm, clans. It was Manasseh. And weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least. I'm the runt. The mongrel in my family. The Lord answered. I love this. And he's saying this to you this morning. Hear this. I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. What an incredibly bold statement. And notice that Gideon is undeterred and resistant to God's call at that moment. Let's continue. Judges 6, verse 17 through 24. Gideon replied, (laughs) What God just said was enough for me, I would hope. If now I have found favor in your eyes, what part of I will be with you don't you understand, Gideon? If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. What is Gideon really doing here? Come on, human. You know exactly what he's doing. He's looking for an out. He's giving God a puzzle and a riddle and a test. He's looking for an excuse. And your humanity, when those moments, those life-changing moments, or those mattering moments, kingdom-building moments come up, we spend most of our time not believing and standing for God, but looking for a way out. And why God is patient with us, I will never understand. But He's loving, He's patient, He's forgiving, and He has chosen to love you despite all of that nonsense. And what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning is don't look for a way out. Be a man. Ladies, be a woman. Be a child of God and take a stand. Go all in and let the chips fall where they may. If I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Wow. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and it's broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. Now, friend, I opened up a can and do the same thing. I take the rolls out of the freezer and put them in the oven and warm them up. Can you imagine? This guy made a meal from scratch. And he goes back. What is he hoping? Well, when I get back, if the, if, the, if the angel's gone, well, I tried. He's still looking for a way out. The angel of the Lord, angel of God said to him, take the meat and the eleven bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. 
When Gideon realized <laughs> that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abyssalites. What an incredible moment of patience that God gave. <clears throat> and did we stop there? Oh, no. No, no. You just heard Rhonda read the story to the kids about the fleece. Getting had a few more puzzles and tests for God. But God was determined to save his people. You know why? Because his people cried out. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, child of God. There are people in your environment that are crying out to God. They're asking God for help. They're in trouble. And what's God going to do? Appear to him on a white horse? No. He's going to send somebody in a flannel shirt. He's going to send somebody in a striped skirt. It's going to be you that steps up. God is calling you to be their answer. Ah, that's a heavy. Wear it. Wear it. It's who we are. It's where we are. It's our time. And it's time for us to man up, up our game, become women, children, become men and women. It's time for us to take the responsibilities that we have. Now, I'm going to give you some reading work this week. Your home reading assignment is Judges 6, verses 25 through 40. That'll take you for the rest of the story. I'm going to sort of Paul Harvey that with you, okay? You can just read the rest of that. When you get home, you're going to read about the battle. You're going to read about the fleece and all these other things. But I want you to begin to read these stories. And I want you to begin to realize that God is really calling you. Gideon was the least in his family. And his, his clan was one of the smallest clans of Israel. Yet God chose him. And God has chosen you also. And we will not let God down. We will not look for excuses not to step up. We will take our place. We will make a difference because we are God's choice. And when you begin to listen to God and to obey God, you will experience his persistence. You will experience his patience that he has with his chosen. God has chose the simple things of the world to confound the wise. This building today, this morning, is filled with Gideons. And we are reluctant warriors, content with hiding from the enemy. Hiding behind apathy, hiding behind blasé, hiding behind excuses. Those days are over. We're going to become a congregation of kingdom builders. People that aren't afraid or ashamed. To reach their hand out and say, may I take your hand and pray with you? And people are going to say, that's what I was looking for. That's how Christians are supposed to act. You're not going to send them some literature or say, I want you to do this. You're going to minister to them right then and there. I'll tell my preacher about you. No, I'll tell you what, I'll do both. Let me pray with you right now, but I'm, we'll make sure your name goes up. We're going to pray for you. Take my hand. And then you're going to close your eyes and say, Jesus, touch Bobby. I know you love Bobby. 
I know you've called Bobby out of darkness. Help Bobby to see your salvation, your healing, and your restoration in his life. I know how much you love Bobby. Touch him, change him by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Then open your eyes and look into his eyes or her eyes and say, God's with you. And if God's with you, who can be against you? I'll never forget when I did that to old bus driver, school bus driver in Palestine. Tough guy was going in for kidney surgery. He had a face that looked like a map in a desert. I mean, it was just, you know. I took his old crusty hand. I said, let's pray. Oh, okay. I prayed for him. When I opened my eyes and looked at him, his eyes were filled with tears because the Holy Spirit was transformed from me to him and ministered to his heart and his spirit. I don't know where he is or what he's doing, but I know in that moment I made a difference in his life because I dared to be used of God. Don't hide. Don't run. Do not be a reluctant warrior. Stand to your feet right now, all across this building. I want everyone in here. Stand to your feet. I'm going to pray a prayer of commissioning over you to answer God's call. To say, as Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and a generation of unclean lips. God took a coal from off the altar, touched his lips. (laughs) And that's what he said, send me, Lord. What do you want me to do? If you do that, you will change your environment. You will change your world. And when people need help, they'll be able to count on a man of God, a child of God, or a teenager or a young person of God to do the right thing at the right time. I believe in you. And what's more than that and more significant, God believes in you. And he's calling you out. And I'm going to pray that you'll answer that call. Bow your heads with me, please, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray a prayer of commissioning over these good people. They're, they're definitely good. You wouldn't have sent me to a bunch of rats, Lord. You sent me to good quality. You sent me to a good field. And Father, as we water, cultivate, and, and, and fertilize this field, They're going to produce fruit. So, Lord, I speak courage into them. Let the power of the Holy Spirit envelop them to make a difference. Help them to realize and remind them that you, they are your choice. That it is them that God is calling to make a difference at their workplace, at their school, in their homes, wherever they are, to make a difference for you. God, we accept the challenge. We do not bow down as a coward. We will do what you've called us to do. And we are so grateful for your redeeming love that is in our hearts and lives right now. So in the name of Jesus Christ, endue them with power. Endue them with courage and boldness and zeal. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if you accept this, say amen and amen. Remain standing, Brother Paul. If you'd come, let's sing this hymn that describes what you're going to do in response.